What's the latest, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Devin Uglin and Ronnie Flores here with you for episode number 83. Ronnie, we've made it to the NBA Finals. How does it feel? Yeah, I'm <laughs> glad the bubble is not bursted and we're moving chugging along. Seems like time's going by. When all this, our life all changed for everybody, it, it that six or seven months now gone by fast. We're almost at the end of the year, Devin. I mean, the weather's going to change. Uh, you know, we're still kind of in shorts, and most of us are still wearing T-shirts without heavy sweaters. And in uh, Southern California and Las Vegas, I mean, we got the fires that are probably keeping us a little warmer. Things just things are keep coming up, but yeah, I mean, I mean, glad the basketballs went gone through, and now we have this. You know, I guess this narrative we can take it any way we want. And now that the Lakers have advanced to the finals. You know, they uh, dis- dispatched of the Denver Nuggets. They were leading 3-1, and people were thinking, well, the Nuggets are maybe going to try it again. But Lakers got through with a triple-double performance by their veteran superstar, LeBron James. And the Miami Heat got it done, beating Boston in 3-2, kind of closing them out. Uh, Tyler Hero in, in uh our guy Andre Iguodala down the stretch, and which we'll get into a little later, played good in, in the fourth quarter of a game that was still fairly tight, where the Lakers kind of rolled. But a couple questions I have for you regarding that, Devin, as we're yeah. getting to the fall, is and you're kind of a purist, and so am I, and it says maybe me a little more. Are you kind of uh, would you would have been ironic for you to see Boston in LA for the title, or is it is the storyline good enough? Because dude, you look good. Kudos to you with your you go back to one of our pods about three or four ago. I don't know what number it was exactly. Maybe it was 79 or 80. You kind of pre- previewed and predicted that Miami's one of your teams as the fifth seed. So are you a little more like, damn, I want to see Boston in L.A. Just because you want to see Boston in L.A., you know what that means. Or, hey, is this a good enough storyline? Pat Riley's going to take on his old, uh, you know, his the guy he brought there to bring up, bring Miami's uh, uh, two titles. You know, how do you feel about that whole storyline and, and what we're going to be looking at this week and into next with this NBA Finals. Yeah, I think the main thing for me was the letdown of there not being a Lakers-Clippers Western Conference Final. I think that's what everyone was kind of looking forward to in the bubble, even pre-bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kawhi and Paul George joined the Clippers and then LeBron and AD, you figured that was going to be the Western Conference final matchup and kind of, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but the the unofficial NBA championship, right? Because the East, out, you know, outside of Milwaukee, who was upset, not not really upset, I guess, because Miami's in the in the finals, yeah. but were ousted by Miami, and Milwaukee was apparently supposed to be the best team in the league. So if you, if you look at it that way, um, I think that. The best storyline would have been Lakers Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, um, and it would have been obviously even better if it wasn't in the bubble. But for for the sake of the NBA championship between the Lakers and the Heat, I think the Lakers and Heat have a better um, storyline or like more drama now than Lakers Celtics because yeah, I mean, how many of these guys on the Lakers Celtics were were involved in you know the eighties? rivalry at all nobody yeah. really 
Nobody. There's no there's no history between these two. Yeah, Brad Stevens has nothing to do with the 80s Celtics. Right. Frank Vogel has nothing to do with the, the, the 80s or 90s or even 2000s Lakers. It's just that rivalry now doesn't really – I mean, obviously it's historical, but now it doesn't really do anything for me. Um, maybe if it was out of the bubble and it was – you know, in LA and in Boston, and it kind of revived it a little bit with the fan bases. Yeah. I think that would have helped it. But in, in the bubble, I just think the players, and we're, we're so far removed from the 80s that, you know, a guy like Gordon Hayward, like what, a, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure he's aware of the history of the Lakers Celtics, but what ties does he really have to it? Um, or, or any of the players, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, whatever it may yeah. be. Could it have been like a, uh, a, a resurgence of the old guard or the old um, rivalry. It, it could have been if it was outside the bubble, but I think in the bubble with Lakers heat in the finals, you look at the history between LeBron, uh, Pat Riley, yeah. Eric Spolstra, because wasn't LeBron kind of the, uh, I'm not sure if this is accurate, but when he was in Miami, I think, you know, he was kind of pushing the front office to get rid of Spolster and replace him um, after they lost that. Yeah. After they lost that first title. Uh, we'll talk about big name coaches because Spolster yeah. wasn't a big name coach. No. Yeah, exactly. Look he was he, now. He's he a, he was a video guy who, who yeah. you know, rose to the top and now is obviously one of the best coaches in the NBA. And then Pat Riley, um, a, a lot has been made of, you know, is he kind of the, gr- like the greatest, all-around basketball person ever. He won a title in the 70s with the Lakers. Obviously, wasn't like a, a superstar player, but he was a, a good role player. Coached the Lakers to many titles in the 80s. He coached the Knicks to the to the NBA t- to a, an NBA title appearance in the 90s, right? Yeah. And then he kind of did a rebuild with the Heat and was kind of the catalyst to getting... D Wade, LeBron, and Chris Bosch for the big three, along with Ray Allen, for for their mini run, and now they're back in it. So right. I think, and, then and they, they got Shaq from the Lakers and won. And one. Yeah, yeah, they got Shaq. Yeah, I, I missed that big time. They got Shaq from the Lakers and won one with with Dwayne Wade. Yeah. So you look at all these different pieces here and how they connect. This is a better storyline than it would have been with Boston, LA. What do you Correct. think? Correct. Except for the old crusty guys like me, you're right because the 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 only storyline with Boston and LA is the amount of titles in the history of the NBA is you know whatever seventy or whatever yep. it is and you're looking at seventeen and eighteen or seventeen and sixteen whatever you're talking about almost half of them so it's always nice if the Lakers Boston will say you know what we got another one we're two up on you Lakers or haha we tied you and we beat Boston but that's just numbers and that's more like you said a baseball thing in many regards just pure numbers and and things like that. This is more drama story, which is honestly what the NBA is now. Storylines and drama, yeah. realistically. Yeah. I mean, and it's thrived on it. I mean, it's popular and more popular than ever. I mean, uh, our guy Doug Gottlieb, who came on our earlier in the paint uh, episode, and, you know, the former Tustin and, and Oklahoma State uh, point guard, he kind of threw it out there. Like, did anybody even know that the – how many people on your timeline or how many people knew out there that the NHL Stanley Cup was just dude won this I didn't earlier this week. I had no clue. Yeah. I had I had no idea. Because again, we're in COVID, the, the the bubbles, 
the various times. This the Stanley Cup would normally be over in, in June, just like the NBA Finals, but now it's ending in, in, in late September. I mean, I believe Dallas won, right? And I don't know. I'm here saying <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a terrible uh, uh, person to talk about this with because I'm not a hockey fan. I never have been, yeah. so I have no idea who won it. Uh, I'm sure. Let me ask my buddy. I'll text my buddy right now and see who won the, yeah, the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I follow it now because of my adopted home in Las Vegas. I follow the, the okay. Golden Knights because, you know, they went to the, the finals in their first year of existence. That was ex- kind of got me a little in tune with the Golden Knights, but not diehard, obviously. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to sit here and lie and bullshit and say, oh, yeah, I was diehard watching. You're, the you're, you're a bullshitter. Come on. Give us yeah. some bullshit, Ronnie. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'll give you guys some 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 good BS and it's, you know, this we'll just jump right into it. I guess the great coach, bad coach, like you said, Pat Riley, uh, Spolstra, doc rivers. And we'll get into that because you mentioned the Clippers and the Lakers. And that was a big letdown. And we talked about it on the last pod and I want to get your bullshit meter on just the notion that like compared to a, let's go say compared to a JV fountain Valley basketball coach, so we're cool. that's actually like a spora. Okay, this is gonna be fun. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> like we've talked about this before in the high school level, there could be a great freaking coach, and he's got a bunch of little kids, five foot five, that that can't jump and can't move. Okay, and he's coaching them to the best of his ability. Yeah, compared to a guy, you know, that a guy who's in a tough spot like Andre Chevalier. How much credit is Andre gonna get at Sierra Canyon? Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, in a similar token. We got, you know, a guy like Spolster, like you said, he would, would be an equivalent of a team manager or a JV coach in high school, a video guy. That's basically what a JV coach would do for a good varsity team, film the, yep. film the, film the, film the tournament game. And now he's got a team that doesn't have a Marvin Bagley, doesn't have, you know, Brandon Boston, doesn't have uh, like some of the talent Kevin Boyle has at Montverde. He's got them in the fi- in the final, so maybe it'd be like an Ed- having Ed Wander, Damian in the open final. That's basically what Spolstra's done with his team. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. They don't have, you know, LeBron James. They don't have. A, they, don't have a, they don't have a top five player in the league. Correct. So, to your token, and the fact that now we're going to get into it, but Doc Rivers is no longer the coach of the LA Clippers. We talked about that a little last week. What we thought about that. You know, how much of it is bullshit? How much of it bullshit meaning the coaches take too much to blame or they get too much credit? Where, where are you at in that spectrum? So, I mean, if, if the team succeeds, right? So the coach gets credit, obviously. Um, but it also depends on roster makeup. So say the Miami Heat defeat the Lakers in the NBA championship. Um, Eric Spolstra is going to get all the credit. It's going to be the headlines are going to be, is this the greatest coaching job of all time? Right. If Miami as a five seed, when, where we are in the, in the, in the NBA and our social media and right. headlines that people writing attract. Sure. It'll be a clickbait sensationalized yeah. headlines. Uh, is this the greatest coaching job of all time? You know, Jimmy Butler's his best player, a guy who, you know, quote unquote, couldn't get it done in his three previous stops. Um, but he comes to Miami and Eric Spolstra has coached him up and you know, ran a great offense, had great game plans. It, it'll, it'll be all about that. If the Lakers win 
as many expect they will, yeah. it's going to be LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, Anthony Frank Davis, Vogel. Anthony Davis. None, no, nothing about Frank Vogel. No, correct. So it it in the current state of how basketball is covered and social media, um, it, it it really depends on who is on the team, um, who plays well, and, and in the front office. Who's in the front? Yeah, who's in yeah, the front office? Pat Riley's going to get a lot of publicity. Of course. Like you mentioned, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit. So yeah, to your point, um, I, I think Eric Spolster deserves a lot of credit. Um, where, in, in contrast, Frank Vogel is, you know, that coaching staff. Frank Vogel, Jason Kidd, Lionel Hollins, um, obviously isn't in the bubble. Um, Phil Handy, yeah, you know the three guys I mentioned before. Phil Handy had head coaching experience, like long-term head coaching experience, whether it was good or bad. Um, So it was kind of like a uh, uh, coaching by committee kind of hire is how I would kind of explain it, even though Frank Vogel obviously has the title of head coach. Um, So I I, I don't, I think that that credit is going to not go to Vogel. It'll go to Braun. It'll go to Anthony Davis and two of the five best players currently in the league on the same team. And that's just how it's going to be for Vogel. I don't think he, I don't think he cares if he gets a title. But in, in contrast with Miami, if they win, uh, I think Jimmy Butler gets a lot of credit, obviously. But I think most of it, most of the headlines and the sensationalism will go to Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley. Yeah, and I I get that. And you're right. Vogel's gonna Vogel's in an old win situation here in terms of uh, he got the team in the final, so that's good. Uh, you're right. If the Lakers would have played the Clippers. And let's say the Clippers beat them handily, four to two or four to one. People say, uh, "Fire!" Said is Vogel the you know the right fit for this team? So I, I think you're right on there, and you're onto something. So in that respect, if Pat Riley doesn't loom as one of the best uh, basketball all round contributors in the NBA history, as we'll get into that a little bit, if Eric Spoelstra wins this title. Does he get the Doc Rivers treatment and get named the president of uh, basketball <laughs> operations? And and then we're back in that situation where it's like almost a little too much, too much credit. And, and in many respects, as I, we talk about Doc Rivers, I think that's what happened to him. The expectations were a little too high overall, not with the roster of this team, but what he gave them. Because like you said, most of this is a player's league. They get most, they get most of the credit, get most of the, uh, you know, get most of the things done in terms of, you know, uh, they're the reason why teams advance to the finals, you know, compared to maybe a boxing trainer that train, uh, cha- you know, uh, changes the course of a kid's, a young kid's uh, career, things like yeah. that, you know? I think, I, I think if I'm a NBA head coach, I don't want any responsibility as a front office executive whether it's a you know head coach slash GM, head coach slash president of basketball operations, because you're just responsible. You put yourself out. You put your neck out there twice. You gotta you gotta build the team, then you gotta coach the team that you build. So then you're doubly responsible if you lose. And that's what happened to Doc Rivers. And I think wasn't Stan Van Gundy uh, had that dual role in in uh, Detroit. Yeah. And obviously he's not coaching Detroit. He's a great. Um, uh, uh, color commentator, great analyst uh, on the broadcast in the bubble. 
But when you have those dual roles, and I think uh, it's better to compare Doc Rivers' situation and the Clippers' situation with Frank Vogel because Doc Rivers had two of the, you know, 15 best, 15 best players in the NBA on his roster and a, a supposedly really good supporting cast, and they couldn't get it done. He's the only coach to ever, you know, lose a 3-1 series twice. And if you're the head coach and you have responsibilities of bringing in players and you can't get it done, then there's no, you know, there's obviously nothing that, that can save you because you're responsible for, for creating the team and then coaching the team you created to, um, you know, not achieve the goal that many expected them to achieve. So, it was Bolstra, Ronnie, before we get into the, the details of this series, if he pulls this off, he's a sure, surefire Hall of Famer first ballot uh, as, as a coach. And if Pat Riley, you know, if, if they win, I mean, Pat Riley's up there with um, Phil Jackson, Jerry West. Obviously, he's already up there. Red Auerbach. Red Auerbach. Um, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm missing any executives or coaches who kind of you know, yeah. we're able to have high-level success over multiple, and multiple was, like you said, decades. Guys who had a lot of success and wins, and I think Doc Rivers is getting up there. But like you said, the championships are different. Like Don Nelson, Nelly. Uh, there's um, the coach of the Hawks, and his name just escapes me right now. He coached Seattle to the '79 NBA title. Lenny Wilkins. Lenny no. Wilkins. Was it Lenny? Okay, yeah. Yeah, Lenny Wilkins. You know he. he Coach some good team, coach some many good teams. So there's some guys up there in terms of longevity and things like that. And um, you know, yeah, Spolstra is going to get a you know, look. This is going to be a terrific job. One of the again, it's very funny. Now I want to get your bullshit meter on <laughs> the the various storylines, like you said, the various ways you could spin this. Okay, the people who don't like LeBron and say it's a bubble title and means shit. It, it, it got broken up. The season's totally different. We don't know what the Clippers would have done if there would have been no COVID. You know what I mean? Uh, then there's the storyline of if the Clippers would have won. Let's say the Clippers would have won or Denver would have advanced. Oh, this is just a bubble. It's an anomaly. It's an anomaly. It's weird. There's no fans. It doesn't mean as much. You know, uh, you can kind of spin this in many b- different forms. So do you think there's been enough basketball where it's just – it's just a title. It's just basketball. The guys won. Or do you think, you know, it is a little different. Uh, it's a, quite a bit different. There's stoppage. There's, there's two stoppages. And then you know, there's no fans. It's a little awkward. You know, what? what's your overall take there before we jump into the semantics of the series? Yeah. So uh, the BS meter on it, on this championship, obviously you and I in a in previous podcasts said that there'd be an asterisk on this championship. Um, and we, we had it, I had it for sure in a negative light. And, and I think I, that's kind of changed for me. Uh, I think we were kind of basketball. Yeah. I think I was kind of a prisoner of the moment and wasn't really sure how the bubble was going to go off. But since the bubble's gone off so well, and as you know, there hasn't been very many, there's been one, one uh, Daniel House situation with the Rockets, and you know they sent him. They sent him home. So I mean, they, they they took care of that real quickly. So I think there's been enough basketball. They had 60 plus games in the regular season, and I think the two best 
basketball teams are in the NBA Finals. And I think it's pretty simple. Um, the, the two teams that are playing the best and have the best makeup. Yeah. Um, best chemistry. Not, ne- not necessarily the best roster, obviously. You know, no. But the best chemistry, the best uh, uh, makeup of you know, how pieces fit together. I think those two teams are who we're going to see uh, starting Wednesday in the NBA Finals. So I think it's an asterisk on it to a point where it's like, damn, these, these two teams overcame a lot of, of, you know, ups and downs and things thrown at them. And, um, yeah, I kind of changed my tune on that Yeah, and think it's, it's, it'll be, a, you know, look back on as a, a championship that was difficult to win. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I'm still a little bit on the asterisk, not that as much okay. either. I look at it as you got to, it's going to be dependent on what happens next. Meaning like, the last time a fifth seed went to the NBA Finals was the New York Knicks in 1999 against the Spurs. And lo and behold, that was a goofy season. Yeah. A lockout season, a little shorter, whatever you want. So the Knicks kind of made their way through. I think Miami, if I'm not remiss- mistaken, was kind of one of the teams that people thought might go through. Kind of forget the East that year. It was, because remember Miami and uh, and the Knicks, I think that year, got into, some, got into some some brawls. Yeah. Van Gundy was hanging on uh, Morning's leg or something. Yeah, him and Larry <laughs> Johnson were fighting. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. Feud from Charlotte. Yeah, and there was a big – remember, the Knicks lost in 1994 in the O.J. Simpson final. Um, <laughs> I call it the O.J. final, John Starks, you know, but – <laughs> you know, had that, of course, Starks two for eighteen in Game Seven. Riley never pulled him. Some Knicks fans are pit. Some Knicks fans bring that up, Devin. If you know, I don't know if you'd ever look at their Twitter and they're like, "Yeah, Pat Riley cost us a freaking championship. Didn't know how to pull John the, Starks and put the Knicks, somebody else in there." The I Knicks mean, are the Knicks are so um, yeah. just yeah. non-existent to me yeah. right now that I don't even pay attention. But I it. so in '97, yeah. remember the Knicks had those ch- suspensions for Game Seven. Yeah, that wasn't Game Seven, and those suspensions hurt them uh, for that Game Seven in uh, Miami advance. And of course, Chicago with the dispatched whoever they 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 met. So that was a big moment uh, because you know people thought the Knicks had a chance to win in '97. So fast forward to '99, they make the finals. They have a different makeup. They have Larry Johnson, Sprewell, uh, Allen Houston, and the the veteran, uh, the big man Ewing, but. It's an anomaly a little bit because they weren't – they did nothing else after. Right. The Spurs got legitimized because they started winning after. And people said, damn, in 2003, damn, 2010, that was a good team. They had, you know, Robinson was a veteran. Duncan was a young player. So now you look at – Miami will have to do something next year and still be competitive. And I think the Lakers too. The Lakers, they can't just fall off flat. If, so if both those teams are good next year, I think this will legitimize this more. Gotcha. Again, you know, similar gotcha. to what happened with the Spurs. Because the Spurs didn't get any credit in 1999. Right. But they started getting credit later, and now people say, yeah, it was just a good Spurs team. You know what I mean? Here's, so Here's my thing about, like, a, a so the lockout shortened season. I was pretty yeah. young then, but it was 50 games, right? 50 regular season games yeah. in the regular playoff? Games. Yeah. 50 regular season games is plenty to set a playoff uh, standing, you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Like eight, you don't need eighty-two games to know who who are the best teams in the league. No. Uh, obviously, 
you look at Milwaukee this year and it's kind of a shining example. They had the best record, regular season record in the league and they lost uh, in the second round of the playoffs. So but it doesn't, yeah. yeah, it's happened plenty of times. So uh, honestly, you know, if, times. moving forward with this, if the league ends up shortening, you know, the season for good or whatever it may be, I don't see how that has any impact on it. So yeah, I think the Spurs should have gotten plenty of credit back then. I mean, Duncan Robinson uh, was Sean Elliott on that Johnson, team. Yeah. Avery Johnson, Avery Johnson. That was a great, that was a great basketball team. So um, I, I think the comparisons you can draw between 1999 was the lockout season, right? Yeah. And this season is sure. There's, there's some, some um, adversity thrown in there and you got to prepare differently. This, this one may be harder though. Yeah. Because you stop in the middle of your season, you're off for you know a few months and then you have to come back and, you know, leave your family and go play in the bubble. That's, that's tougher than a lockout season. So I think if we're comparing those two champions, you know, the Spurs didn't get a lot of credit because of the weirdness of the lockout and the shortened season. And I think this the Spurs. Yeah. yeah. And the Spurs, I think this, I think this champion deserves a, a shitload of credit. Yeah. Yours is, yours is to be determined uh, based on what happens next year. But I, I think the winner of this is, is, you know, overcame a, a lot of stuff to be there. So let's get into the nitty gritty of this, this, uh, this championship. Um, biggest issues facing the Lakers, Ronnie, for me, here, here's my bullet points, defending the many Miami perimeter shooting threats. That's Duncan Robinson. That's Tyler here off the bench. That's Jay Crowder, Goran Dragic. I mean, the Lakers are not a great, three-point shooting defensive team against guards. So (laughs) for me, that's, that's an issue defending the dribble handoffs with Bam Adebayo. I mean, you watch Miami, it's constant ball movement, constant player movement. Uh, Bam has developed the ability to handle the ball a little bit. And on the perimeter, he can run those, you know, clean dribble handoffs. And if you switch that, he's, you know, rolling to the rim for a dunk. Um, And if you don't, then whichever guard is coming off that is turning the corner and getting it in the paint. Um, so you got to figure out how to defend that. And then defending the traditional screen roll with Bam. Because as you've seen throughout the playoffs, Bam has had a number of uh, uninterrupted, you know, hard rolls to the basket for lobs. And he's a, you know, 6'9", physical freak, uh, big-time athlete who uh, is mobile. And that's kind of a guy that you know the Lakers potentially could struggle with, um, and again, for in, in a Lakers sense, someone has to make outside shots who is not Rajon Rondo. Uh, you know, you give Rajon Rondo a ton of credit for how he's played in the playoffs since he's returned, but he can't be. Can he be your third guy? That's that's where I'm stuck at. If yeah. if we're relying on be that guy, yeah. If we're right relying on Rondo, statistics and the. Uh, the way the the series are going, especially with Derek, it's not going to be Kuzma. Doesn't look like you know you if you you're not going to rely on him right now. Now he could get in there and have a good game or two, but it's, it hasn't shown itself. You know, KCP and and Danny Green are up and down. Obviously, Caruso is going to be the key. Um, and you're right. There's going to be almost now like too much for. Uh, Two, like Rondo's going to have to get 13, seven rebounds, and six assists, and two steals, or else they're going to be hurting. 
Well, you didn't, and, you didn't get it out that at all. In game well, in game number five against uh, Denver, he hit a, a handful of clutch three point shots. <laughs> I mean, how often is Rondo going to do that? I mean, maybe maybe I'm way off base here, and he's he's a way better shooter than. I give him credit for. I think he's I, just a better player than people are giving him credit for. A very, he's a very brilliant basketball player, just no doubt. Gets no doubt about that. He just, he's a three, he'll maybe hit one. You know he's he, going to play D and, and yeah, going to probe, and he's going to, uh, you know, once in a while he'll make a goofy turnover, but he's getting you eight or seven good plays in return. Right. I think, I think the key for the Lakers bench or that third guy is just in each game having – a Rondo or a Kuzma or Danny Green or KCP or Alex Caruso step up and score that 13 to 17 points to uh, uh, supplement LeBron and AD because you know you're going to get a triple-double out of LeBron and you know you're going to get you know 25-plus points out of Anthony Davis. You just have to have one of those guys in each game step up and provide that third-scoring um third scoring person and hope that they can get into double figures that way. What, what do you see are the biggest issues facing the Lakers in this, in this series? I think the biggest issues facing the Lakers is, can they get a little more physical and, okay. and, and uh, like you said, defend, uh, get the perimeter in general. And, and, and the question I would have for you is where does Anthony Davis fit in that? Um, Devin, do you think he can pull him away from the basket a little bit and make him really work because he's really talented away from the basket? And even when he is in uh, underneath against certain guys, but he's not. Uh, Bam is not going to defend him like Michael Porter Jr. did. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's not just hey, going to put his hands up and, and, hey, and Michael the basket. Michael Porter Jr. defends like me at Twenty Four Hour Fitness, man. Just yeah. Take a swipe at the ball if you miss. If they score, run down and try and get that those points back on the other yeah. end. Yeah, it's just you know the guy. <laughs> I mean, I was talking to a few people that that are high level you, basketball. You players. love MPJ. MPJ is your boy. You, you yeah. pretend you don't like him. You love watching MPJ. Yeah, he just he just you can't <laughs> you get frustrated like you just have to like God damn it oh damn look at that shot you know you're like <laughs> no one minute you're just like. Oh my God! What is he doing? Then, oh man, did you see that, <laughs> dude? It's it's like we're going way off base here, but it's good because watching MPJ is just like you're so bad on defense, yeah, and you shoot the ball every time you touch it on offense, but it goes in a lot, so you kind of have to play that. That well, that's like, what we see a lot. Tit for tat. Like you, like you tell our listeners what we're good at. We like watching high school and grassroots games, and that's what we see. Like, yeah, yeah. What we see is MPJ. What he does a lot for that yeah. team, but he does give them a lot. So it becomes that fine line. So I'm a little frustrated in, in many respects with Anthony Davis in that regard. Now, again, he's a top five to seven player in the league, but it, sometimes he drifts. Sometimes, sometimes he drives. <laughs> All the time, he's he's allergic to the paint, dude. Yeah. So my issue with him is, and maybe I've said this on the pod. I said it to people before in person. Is he doesn't fight for real estate on the post entry pass? He gets it way too deep. He's twenty one feet away from the basket operating. Instead of fighting for that and getting the ball at sixteen feet. And, and, and like you said, kind of – now he's not going to be able to back down like the Joker, but get the ball in good prime position 
He's going to have to do that against Bam Adebayo. I think Bam Adebayo is going to thrive. He's going to thrive in this series. Yeah. You know, AD is going to hit some shots, no doubt about it. But uh, can he do that, Devin? So that's my question to you. Can he take away the effectiveness of Bam Adebayo uh, even to 10%? Meaning, Adebayo gives him a Yes, yes, he can, and that kind of leads into my biggest issue facing Miami. Yeah, is Anthony Davis is you know just as athletic, just as mobile, just as you know, uh, you know, perimeter oriented as a guy like Bam is it like as a, like a face up and go kind of guy. So if Anthony Davis can, as you like to say, drift, and I say float, you say drift, same same meaning though. But we, we know Anthony Davis is not going to establish deep post position against Bam. It's, it's just not going to happen. He doesn't want it. He wants to be 17 to 20 feet away from the basket and facing up. If he can you know, be confident and assertive and aggressive with the rip and go and get Bam in foul trouble, that's how he limits Bam. You've got to get him in foul trouble. got to get him out of the game. Um, but AD likes to fade you know, away from the basket, likes the jumpers, likes the you know, little pick and pop threes, all that kind of stuff. So if if AD is the AD who's getting two rebounds in a game and then the next game getting one rebound and a half, I think Bam's going to be on the floor for a lot of minutes and he's going to cause a lot of problems. But if AD pulls him away from the basket, uh, makes him guard away from the basket and attacks the rim uh, and gets him in foul trouble, the Lakers are going to be in really, really good position because I think Bam kind of Bam keys their defense. And honestly, with the way he can execute a dribble handoff and the way that that he can be effective as a, uh, I mean, rebound and push and initiate offense, as we saw in the last series, and then a guy who can run the traditional screen roll and you know finish lobs at the basket at a high rate, uh, he kind of keys what they do. So if Anthony Davis can get him in foul trouble or LeBron can get him in foul trouble, I. I I wouldn't be surprised if when AD's out of the game and Bam's on the floor, Bam's guarding LeBron. I wouldn't be surprised. Wow. Interesting. Because so that means, to me, that means that our guy Dwight Howard is a key in this series. Because, well, Bam, I mean, yeah, yeah, Dwight when can I get I look at Dwight Howard and I look at Bam, I see what I used to see in Dwight Howard sure. yeah, yeah, coming yeah. into the league. You know what Bam, I mean? Bam a, little, Bam, a little bit more skilled. Um, yeah, a little more skilled, but, yes. But yeah, same, same role, same role. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, and same just frame and the way they move. Obviously, Dwight can still do that a little bit here and there. You know, he still can get it done. Um, so if he gives them quality, I think the Lakers are in a good spot. I, Lakers are in a good spot. Um, the Heat, a lot of things are going to have to go right for them. But the one thing they have is, like you said, that physicality, uh, especially on the perimeter, throwing multiple guys at, at LeBron James, getting the other uh, Laker perimeter players frustrated. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to be loose. They're going to be confident. Uh, Spolster and his staff will probably play to offset LeBron's strengths as much as any team out there, you know, more than Denver. They're going to, if any teams can kind of uh, get LeBron away from his sweet spots, you think it's this Miami team. Yeah, because if Miami can't do it, then that means nobody can do it. Here, here's the thing with the Lakers. Nobody. Another another concern that I have is a, a lot of teams throughout the playoffs. I mean, obviously Miami is advanced, but what they do against Miami's defense is they expose Drogic, who's probably 
out of all the guys who start, Drogic and Robinson are the two worst defenders on that team. They're a very good team defensive uh, squad, but individually, Drogic and Robinson are the two guys you can expose in that starting lineup. But the Lakers have two starters who are just kind of non-threats offensively, right? So you can hide Drogic on Danny Green. Drogic can guard Danny Green, <laughs> right? And then why not? I mean, you have you, yeah. you you roll your money with that, and you right roll the dice with that. Exactly. Then Jay Crowder and Jimmy Butler are guarding, uh, you know, LeBron. And then if you're starting two big men with Davis and and McGee, McGee's a non-threat offensively, and Dwight isn't like a he's a second chance opportunist. He's not a get a bucket on the on the uh, on the block in the low post. He's not doing it. He, you know, he's not scoring with back to the basket moves like he was when he was with. Orlando. So you look at the matchups and you know, defensively it really does favor Miami because there's a couple couple guys you can hide your worst defenders on. And I'm interested to see how that all plays out. Um but I think the the, the biggest issue facing the Heat is just is just LeBron James. I mean, they have overall brilliance. Yeah. Yeah, just just his savviness for the game and um you know, you're you're going to put Jimmy Butler, you're going to put Jay Crowder, you're going to put Bam on him um, at any given time during the game. But he's a guy who draws a lot of fouls if he wants to. So the Lakers, like we said against Denver, um, they can't start off slow. They can't let this team hang around because this team's just too good to let hang around, uh, in, in my opinion. That confidence. And they do yeah. have some matchup favors in their uh, on their side, as you mentioned, you know, yeah, but I think they're shooting at a high percentage. So let's talk a little bit about Boston. You know, the the game was, you know, they they were twenty six to six run in the middle of the fourth quarter. Is basically the difference in that last game. And I just came down and did. I see Boston. They were just hoisting threes in the oh yeah. Quarter, whether it was um, Marcus Smart and, and others, it just wasn't dropping for them. Um, you know. The Celtics were up six with eight minutes to go. A little, maybe over a little eight minutes to go. Did that just? Did they just not shoot well enough, or was it something Miami just was doing throughout the series? Devin, just, as you look back, no, it was just a combination of a lot of things. Settling for bad shots. Yeah. Uh, you know, not taking Brad Stevens not taking timeouts when he should have to kind of slow, you know, get his team back under control, get their minds right, regroup a little bit, uh, and then just you know Miami. So. The Celtics have a young roster, right? Tatum, Brown, uh, Walker's still relatively young, and especially because he played with the Hornets for the first, you know, handful of years of his career and didn't really sniff the playoffs that often. So um, he's young in, in playoff terms. Um, and then you have the Daniel Tice, the center, who was kind of just a, you know, kind of a, a physical guy who glue guy, you know, did the dirty work, stuff like that. And then you look at Miami, they're young too, but they have the Jimmy Butler, they have the Jay Crowder, who have been in the league a long time, been in the playoffs, um, have that experience, and it showed. And you have a coach in Eric Spolstra who's coached a couple championship teams. So the difference in um, veteran leadership and uh, coaching leadership, I think, showed in that series for sure. Yeah. And then them, you know, the Celtics kind of falling apart. Uh, panicking a little bit, taking bad shots, going outside their offense, really hurt them down the stretch. Yeah. So, 
Jimmy Butler, 31 years of age. Jay Crowder, 30. Going out to what you're saying. Gordon Drodic, 34. Yep. Um, even our guy Solomon Hill from Fairfax is already 29. Right. He's not like a ch- spring chicken. No. You know? Yeah. Andre Iguodala, 36 years we, old. We've gone, we've gone all this time without even mentioning Iguodala, who was key for them in that last series. He made a bunch of big shots, made a bunch of big plays, and he's yeah. he played with the Warriors for for a long time, and you know played deep in the playoffs for you know four, five, six straight years. So he's another guy who brings veteran leadership. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about even the elder statesmen. Then we're going to talk about. Our predictions, and or we can talk about first, like you said, the standing of, of these great coaches and where do they, you know, if Pat Riley wins this, you know, uh, whatever order it is, we've we got to hit those two topics. The guy that I, I think Nate Jones mentioned on Twitter, the guy who follows the NBA, he's pretty, pretty, pretty insightful. He mentioned, you know, Udonis Haslam, he's kind of been the link for all those teams. Sure. The 06 team and then the, the team that won two titles with, LeBron, and now this team. He's 40 years old, um, and it's almost like they're paying him a player salary to be an assistant coach. Amy, yeah. you know, and a, a, a player's making more than any assistant coach. Right. And so, Udonis Haslam is making $1.6 million. Uh, there's no assistant coach really making that, you know, so... That's just another way to kind of keep guys, like you said, engaged, keep them, uh, you know, knowing what the, how we want to win this, kind of mentoring the young guys. That guy's a perfect example. Because even Iguodala's doing that, and he's playing a lot. Well, he has them not even really playing. And yeah, he, that. yeah, he doesn't play. He doesn't play at all. But again, like you said, they, when, yeah. when they show like flashes of the huddles and timeouts or the sideline or whatever, maybe you see Udonis has them really coaching people up. And I think, yeah. I think, it's by design by wow. Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra to kind of get that guy in that role. And then I think we're going to see Jonas Haslam uh, post-career be yeah. uh, well, an assistant coach or, or take a pay cut, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I just money. he's still, yeah, yeah. he's a coach now. You know right. I, mean? he's, yeah, I think yeah. he's going to make that move into a front office role or a coaching role, whichever he wants. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a great point by you to bring that up because we forgot about it is the importance that Udonis Haslam has had on this young team and the young players. Correct. And he's going to be coaching up whoever's guarding LeBron. And he you knows because he played, he, he played with LeBron, guarded LeBron probably in practice a lot. So he knows this yeah. is a different LeBron James than the one in Miami, obviously. Um, little, you know, a little older, a little longer in the tooth, not quite as explosive, but again, he, Udonis Haslam has a lot of experience um, and NBA knowledge, and he's passing that on and encouraging those guys really well on the sideline. And I think um, he, he's a guy you, yeah, he's a guy you watch to become a, an assistant coach or a, a front office guy or head coach down the line. Yeah, he's going to transition smoothly. So kudos to Udonis Haslam. He's been around uh, a long, long time. Uh, yeah, he's one of the guys I really like in the NBA. Just mm-hmm. got it done. Hit some big, made some big plays on those two championship teams. As I oh yeah, some baseline jumpers were just money, like that they, they needed at the time. You 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 have to have those guys. You have to have the blue guys who just you know make things happen. And he was he guarded in multiple positions. He rebounded. Uh, he ran the floor, and he he was able to you know 
hit those big little baseline jumpers that you see, you know, old school guys in men's league do when they run that baseline and they just pop that little 10 foot baseline jumper. And you're like, damn, I can't stop that. That, that kind of, re- that's what I remember mostly his role against the Spurs. Just he hit some big shots. Yep. Elbow, elbow jumpers, stuff like that. Yeah. And they, they're going to need that again. And they're going to, yeah, obviously they're a little more dynamic with the shooting. They got with Robinson and, and hero and hero, mm-hmm. man, he made some good plays. I mean, Marcus Smart's a good defender and he just, took him off the dribble, rose up, and just kind of like iced the game. So if he plays that well in five of the, let's say the game, the series goes six games, and he's playing that good in five of them, I mean, Miami's going to be, you know, in good possession to pull off what I guess most experts or most media scribes would call an upset. So speaking of that, let's kind of give jump into that. The series is going to start later this week if you're listening to this pod. Um, so I guess the big – Drum roll is what's going to happen, Devin? What's your prediction? And what's the storylines with, with that prediction? My prediction is the Los Angeles Lakers win the series in six games. I think, I think it's just too good of players in LeBron James and Anthony Davis for this Heat team to beat them in a seven-game series. I just really do think that the difference is, is LeBron and AD are just that good. So I think it's pretty yeah. simple. I think it's pretty, pretty simple. Yeah, instead of making it harder than it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, we've um, analyzed, we've analyzed this, uh, the ins and outs of the series plenty, but I just think I think LeBron's too good. I think Anthony Davis is just too good, uh, and yeah. they, they work well together. So if, if the Lakers get any kind of production – in any game from a third guy at the 20 point range, uh, I, I think it could go five, but I think there's going to be one of those games where none of the Lakers bench or a third guy show up and yeah. the, the heat will get two because they're, they're good, good defensive team. And, um, you know, hero is bound to go off. Duncan Robinson's bound to go off. And again, the Lakers aren't good at defending three point shooting guards. So <laughs> that's always an issue. So you have a lot of good shooters on that squad. I think they get two. But I'm going Lakers in six. What do you do? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, it'd be tough for me to come on. Pick the Heat five, and uh, oh, you're going five. No, no, no. I'm saying okay. it'd be tough for, for me to say that the Lakers are winning five because I, okay. I just think they're going to have an off game and the Heat are going to have a, a good game. So what I mean by that is, and those may not be the same games. You know what I mean? It may not I be the you. same outing. Yeah. So that gives Miami two games right there because the Lakers are going to. Shit the bed in one of the game shooting for sure. Was it that's game one or game three? Uh, you know, and there's going to be a game that no matter what the Lakers do, the Heat uh, Heat are just going to shoot better. Well, the Lakers always play like shit in game one, so yeah, it might be a game one again. So that gives them two games. So it's that third game. Do the Lakers or Heat win that? Because then I'm saying it's going seven, or like you said, the Lakers are going to win in six. So I'll say the Lakers win in seven. That the okay. Heat will get one of those close games where both teams are playing pretty good. And I think you're saying that the Lakers will pull that game out, whatever game that is, and and win in six. So I'm saying it's going to go seven. Uh, it's going to be a good series. Miami has nothing to lose. Again, we said Denver had nothing to lose, but Miami really, man, they're playing great, and they should be loose. And you're right. It's just one game. It's not The Lakers are a better team. They're not going to sweep them, though, because the Lakers are not They're not a good shooting enough team, and, the, and, and Miami's too good of a shooting team. Yeah, I think it's going to be one game where the Lakers are going to be frustrated. They're going to bitch to the refs. Rondo's <laughs> going to be off. You know what I mean? He's going to do a goofy plays. 
but then there's going to be another half of that same game or another game where they just they just they're going to be focused and ready. So it'll probably come after a loss. Like you said, is that going to yeah. be game one or game three? It could be game one, honestly. That's yeah. why that's why I say six because I think Miami could come come out and get game one with with the way the trend has been with the Lakers so far in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, if yeah, they the get, Lakers are going to have one bad half. If, if they get if they get if Miami gets game one, they're for sure getting another one. Um, but I think the difference in the nothing to lose factor between Denver and Miami is obviously they both had nothing to lose because both were not uh, uh, considered to be in those respective positions. But Miami has a big man that the Lakers can't really punk with the way that they did to Jokic and kind of try to get in his head because he was, you know, Jokic is an on the ground kind of player, right? He He's a, as, as our guy, Joel Francisco would like to say, he's a below the net athlete. Um, <laughs> Bam, Bam, Bam out of said an at the square athlete. So I think that's the biggest difference here is, is Bam can be more effective in this series than Jokic was in the other one. Granted, Jokic had, Huge numbers, but um, the Lakers' bigs were able to be a little bit more effective against him because he didn't have that athletic factor like that Bam does. Yeah, he, he uh, had some stretches where he didn't make an impact in that series. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I, I, unless Bam gets into major foul trouble, I don't see him going. You know, long stretches of not being impactful on one end or the other. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Whether it's offensively well, or defensively. Yeah. Um, so that, that's where I think the difference is. Pressure. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I think it goes, that's why I think it goes six instead of five. All right. Gotcha. So I now, think it's, so yeah, I, I think it's going to go seven, but I think that he'd have a better chance to win than people are giving him credit for. I think right now before the series starts, of okay. course, it's easy to say that once it's one, one or two, two, but I think I, the media is anointing this like, well, the Lakers are the better team. They're, Favorites that LeBron James is going to get his fourth title. It ain't going to be that easy. Ronnie, Ronnie's calling fake news on the easiness of this title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's they're a good team. They are. From what I've seen, they're a good team. So maybe you know Boston didn't play great. You know, in in certain stretches down the games, you know they 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 they're they're they have a good roster. But I think is Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker a hell of a championship backcourt? No. They're good, but they're not. They're not. Uh, well, Boston's another one of those teams that doesn't have one of those top five yeah. or ten players in the league on their roster. Not have been their backcourt, especially no. Yeah, I mean, no, Jason yeah, Tatum, Tatum and Brown are getting there, maybe. They, but, they will be eventually, but they're not yeah, right now. Yeah, where no. I think the league is driven by star power, and um, the Lakers have the Lakers have that star power. I think it it ultimately wins out. And speaking of star power, Ronnie, there's. A star power coach, yeah, who is now free to do as he pleases. Doc Rivers, out as head coach of the Clippers, he had plenty of star power on his roster that he, you know, was able. Him and you know Steve Ballmer were able to to sign Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in a major, major free agency landing last summer. Um, but as we all know, it didn't go quite according to plan like they wanted it to as they lost to Denver, right? They lost to Denver? Yeah. In the second round of the playoffs. And they gave up big leads in each game. Gave up big leads, lost a 3-1 series lead. I mean, just 
snowball effect. And after after that game seven that they lost and um, gave up another lead, um, you and I both said, I mean, I, I, I forget what you said, but I said that the Clippers should not get rid of Doc Rivers because who is who, who's better that they're going to get on the market right now? Who is a better basketball coach, more experienced, um, done better in the playoffs than Doc Rivers available right now? Well, we're going to see who they think is better because Doc Rivers is no wow. longer the coach of the Clippers. He's out. Um, let's get right to it. Not um, What's your surprise level, Devin? They're 1 to 10, 10 being most uh, least surprised and 1 being really surprised. One being really surprised. Let's do it the other way because I'm better with bigger numbers. Okay. Ten being really surprised. One being not surprised. Okay. I'm going to go oh, right in the middle at a five. Five. Okay. I think it's. Okay. I think it was. A, I think it was an on the fence type of decision. Um, but dude, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, for me, it's the players who are on the court who win or lose you a game. Yeah. Unless we don't know something and Doc Rivers was in there in the huddle saying, you know, keep launching threes, you know, don't guard this guy or like, you know, making <laughs> making terrible in-game adjustments or, or whatever it may be. But um, I think when you look at the other side of it, he's been there for a good amount of time. Yeah. Um, you, you think with that Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Blake Griffin team, they would have reached the conference finals. They didn't. You think with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, um, Montrezl Harrell, Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, they would have made the conference finals. They didn't. So is a, is a change in voice needed on this team? I, I understand that. Yes, probably. But who's better? That's my question. Who's better? Yeah. Well, to answer your question, I don't think there's anybody that's better. Okay, but we mentioned you thought. Well, we both said he shouldn't be fired. Then right after the series, because we shot the pod kind of right after the series, the day after, I think. Yeah, yeah. So then we were under the thing that they should take a step back and then decide. So I'm not too surprised that he got let go, or it was a mutual decision for him. So um, I'm not too surprised. So I guess I would be make me what a four or three. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a, you a, a know, three. I'll put you. I, you don't ask me. You tell me. I'll put you at a three. What do you think you're at? I'm at. I, I'm at a three because right. the reason I say that is the history of him and his resume. The really big hit it took by not making the conference finals, and really they were supposed to win too. I mean, even if they would have played bad against the Lakers, cu- they're supposed to win a couple times with yeah. even the teams with the quote unquote what do they call it, Lob City or whatever Lob they used City to call them. Team. Yeah. Yeah, even those teams were supposed to at least reach the Western Conference Finals, and they didn't. And you look at you look at his history with Boston. He won one title, um, and he had a, a really good. He had you know Paul Pierce, who was obviously I think one of the most underrated NBA players of all time. He doesn't get enough credit for how good he was. Uh, you had a prime Kevin Garnett. Yeah. You had Ray Allen. You had a very very prime Rajon Rondo. And then you had a bruiser in Kendrick Perkins, who's been on our pod with us, who you know yeah. was that role guy who did his job like Udonis Haslam does. Yeah. And you won one title with that team. Yeah. So, and that's it, where I kind of mentioned we talked about Spolstra, we talked about 
Vogel and Pat Riley. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more of that before we switch into high school. Um, yeah, I'm with you with that. I think ultimately when you when I, I mentioned this before and I, I definitely tweeted this because I'm a fan of those guys you just mentioned. You know, Kawhi Leonard, you know, if he wins one more title and if he'd have won this, he's probably the best players the SoCal Basin has ever produced. And again, I'm not counting Bill Walton's being from San Diego, but you know, he's better than Reggie Miller and he's probably better than Paul Pierce. He's better than Paul Westfall. You know, go down the list. Tyson Chandler, all the guys we've mentioned in this pot over the over the last year and a half. Westbrook, Harden. Westbrook, he's 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 just as good and better, right? Kawhi Leonard with more he's more accomplished. More accomplished. NBA no Finals MVP. Paul Pierce and, and Kawhi Leonard are NBA Finals MVPs. So I'm a big fan of Paul Pierce as you are. Then you know how I feel about Rondo and what I think he gave that Celtics team. I thought right. he was the key. The guy has ten career playoff triple doubles. He's like one of the best ever at, at I think he's together good games. He's top eight in, in career playoff assists as well. Yeah, I mean the guy is good. Yeah. So again, if he gives the Lakers sixty to seventy percent of what he gave Doc Rivers in Boston, the Lakers are gonna win the title. Sure. So he gets like you said, when you look at interviews with Rachel Nichols and some of these ESPN uh personalities and you look on ESPN radio and just you would think Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and that group have two or three titles. We've said it before. So Doc Rivers has got a lot of credit. They won the 2008 title. The Lakers got better. The Lakers won the 09 title over Orlando. So Boston didn't reach its goals. Nothing happened in 09 that shouldn't say Boston shouldn't have went to the finals. Right, right. Here's the thing, dude. Orlando made the NBA Finals in in 2009. And lost their one of Jameer Nelson. So (laughs) our guy skipped to my Lou was Bali. That team wasn't that good. They were good, but they weren't that good. No, they weren't that good. Yeah. So, again, whatever. I don't recall the particulars of that East playoff. But Doc Rivers didn't get his team there. 2010. The Lakers are not playing good in that game seven. No. That was a huge moment in both teams' franchises. True. That's a huge moment for Kobe Bryant. If he loses that final, Doc Rivers has two. Kobe didn't shoot good that game, didn't play well necessarily that game seven. All the Celtics had to do was shoot and play decently, and they win that game. The yeah. game was low scoring. I recall. I remember like yesterday. Oh, it, was a, it was an ugly game. Dude. Yeah, Ron ugly. Artest basically saved that title. <laughs> Kobe passed me the ball. <laughs> he passed me the ball. One of the greatest post game interviews of all time. Yeah, Kobe's like seven of twenty four in that game or something like that. I mean, didn't play yeah. well. Yeah, all the Celtics well. needed was a decent outing. Right, they win that game. So again, that's not talked about. Then we go to two thousand twelve. They have one last hurrah. They're playing good. They're up three to two on Miami, and now LeBron is in Miami, obviously, and they. Uh, Blow a 3-2 lead. So that's before he gets to the Clippers. Then we talk about what he did with Lob City. And then he had a bad uh, outing with uh, Orlando in the same fashion. They were up 3-1. to one. Yeah. So, you know, again, he got a lot of credit. And, and Bomber gave him a lot of power. And so it's, you know, some people on Twitter say, Ronnie, it's a player's league. You can't really. F-. But you can't fire all 12 players. 
can't fire all. He can't move and trade all twelve players. So I that's why I'm at a three with Doc okay. Rivers. And Are, do you think so? After saying all of this, I'm yeah. formulating all this stuff in my mind. Do you think Doc Rivers is an overrated NBA coach? Um, I don't think he's an overrated NBA coach in terms of he's has a good track record. I don't think he makes the quick adjustments as good as some other coaches do. Maybe that don't get as much credit. You got to change it up. You got to you, you something's got to work. Kind of like we said about Pat Riley with John Starks in that two for eighteen game. You got to go for something. Get him out of the game. Get, get him out of the out game. Of the game. <laughs> I think it becomes a little bit of an ego thing. As you sure. mentioned with, um, I think you mentioned with Brad Stevens, we've talked about with other coaches, with um, the coach in Portland with the 2000 team with the Lakers on that run after B. Shaw hits that three-pointer in that quarter. You got to call a timeout early in that fourth quarter. Yeah, was that Rick, was that Rick Adelman? Was that Rick Adelman? Yeah, Same, I, similar things. Those are big moments where you got to excel. That's what separates a coach getting one title from a coach getting two or three or four. Sure. You know, or, or getting over the hump and getting one and maybe getting one more. Maybe Portland gets one more. Was that, you know, Dun- was that Dunleavy or Adam? And who was that? Uh, that might have been Dunleavy now that I think about it. Well, that makes that makes more sense then. Yeah, it's Dunleavy. <laughs> yeah, Dunleavy. <laughs> that makes that, sense. Okay. They got, again, that's a big moment in that, in that franchise's history. It's a huge yeah. moment. If Portland wins that. They're winning the title. Lakers, does the Lakers yeah. win three in a row? No. No. Do they? What happens there? Maybe the Lakers break up before. Maybe the Lakers break up before that, and Shaq and Kobe have you know issues even before they did. Yeah, three titles gives them leeway to kind of get over their 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 personal differences. So, right. Um, I think for Doc Rivers, it's a it's a that, and then it's just a like you said the pantheon, or I don't know if I'm using the right word. The bell. Curve. I like that word. I'm not sure if it's right, but I like it. Who knows what it? Who knows what that word means? But I'm going to use it. Hey, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, and you know what I'm going to do? Hang on. Yeah. I'm going to make a Ronnie Flores dictionary and just like start using all these. It. I'm just going to create the dictionary of Ronnie Flores, and just, all your made up words are going to go into one dictionary. And, we'll and we're going to, we're going to sell it. Ten pods. Yeah. We're going to sell it. We're going to sell it on ballsdive.com. Matt you gotta, Rodriguez. You got to start making a list of words that I screw up because they're, okay. they're funny sometimes. I will. I will. So, the bell curve for Doc Rivers kind of was just coming to an end. The good example I have is Pat Riley. He kind of, I guess, lucked in or kind of a, 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 a quote unquote victim of circumstance, but in a good way. So I don't know the, I don't know the other word to use. We got to do your phrases too. I have no victim, idea what you're talking about. Victim of circumstance means in a good way. Pat Riley became. An NBA championship coach. I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he kind of lucked into that Lakers job because yeah. of what happened. It was a mutiny between Westhead and Magic. Magic, yep. yep. Everybody loves Magic. Well, I mean, for a while, everybody thought Magic was a big asshole. Right. And you know he tabbed I mean? he tabbed Riley as yeah. who he wanted as the coach, right? And it worked out. It worked so out. What I'm saying is that that was in 1982. They won the title. That was their second title in three years. Then in 1990, Devin, all the players were just like, they were out. Pat Riley was tuned out. He just said, run its course. He was still a great coach. Yeah. He was more of a control freak. Again, he has a big ego now. Magic had a big ego. Now you got two humongous egos. And he needed a change. So I, I don't think Doc Rivers comes off as having the Amarni suit, big-time ego as Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, something about Pat Riley, the way he carries himself. He carries himself with excellence. You know, he's 
a well-respected figure, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But you know, you know what it is. You know what the secret to Pat Riley is that slick that slick back hair, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't think his whole demeanor. Yeah, I just, don't think I don't think Pat Riley gets enough credit for rocking the slick back hair. No one's done it better. No, Nobody. No way. Nobody has done. I remember how those coaches coached in the seventies, and when the Lakers Showtime era came, that everybody's spending way more money on their wardrobes. Oh, for sure, my dude. This has nothing to do, probably, with Pat Riley. My brother in in middle school, my brother used to rock the the slick back hair, and this dude would wake up like three hours before school, and just like he had this like special comb, and he would be in the the bathroom for like. Two hours, like, getting his hair perfect, dude. Yeah, and you got to lay it to his truth. Come on, man. Did, it, did that help him score? Did that help him oh, no. get in the paint? No, he, no he's, probably, he's probably listening right now. He did not get in the paint until <laughs> later on in life. I, it diff, the difference was I was I'm just so much better looking than my brother that he just never had a chance with anybody. Wow. So I'm, I'm funnier. I'm more handsome. Um, um, I'm, I'm more personable. I mean, it's just the, the things – yeah. The odds stacked against him. I felt bad for him, and he's she yeah. tried to do the Pat Riley hair, could not pull it off. Um, but yeah, Pat Riley. Getting back to basketball here, yeah, after I take a couple just, shots at my brother. Um, I, I think it ran you, its course. Yeah, if you look at his body of work, though, Ronnie, look at his body of work. If yeah. I mean, he's got to be up there in basketball influence with Red Auerbach as kind of the the top two guys. Bill Jackson didn't have a great um, career as a as a front office executive. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. He hasn't really built a team. He's come in. After right. The he's team co- has been built. Correct. His involvement in building teams. Like when he went to the Knicks, I mean, that was a yeah. shit show. You're never going to win there. Uh, but yeah, I think his, his time as an executive, um, if you look at the overall basketball um, impact yeah. at, as a player, as a coach, as an executive, Pat Riley, Red Auerbach never played. Uh, or he played, you know, yeah. in a time that you and I weren't born. Right. We had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Uh, there was a bunch of below the net athletes playing. But uh, uh, impact coaching executive wise, Pat Riley's up there on my Mount Rushmore for sure. Yeah, he's on mine. So I, I would have I don't know the four in order, but I, I would have Red first and, and Ryle second right now. So interesting. And back to your point, the great thing, uh, Red stayed on, right? Boston is him. In many respects, the league is is built around a lot of Red Auerbach decisions. A lot of coaches got their coaching start in New York. They're New York-based guys. It's been more balanced now as the league has gone older. And a lot of refs, a lot of these executives were from Boston. Our, our, our Red had a lot of influence on them in the early days, late 50s and 60s, the territorial picks, those type of things. Funny story about Red. He knew how good Connie Hawkins was in high school um, in New York. Connie was like a top, you know, one of the top high school players ever. Mm-hmm. And when we say that, we mean like, you know, uh, to the really highest level, like Sean Kemp, Alonzo Mourning, uh, Moses Malone type of guy. You know, Alonzo Ball, Tyson Chandler, those kind of guys um, that we've talked about on this bottom many times. He tried to get to pay... Connie Hawkins or his family and hooked up a deal with Providence because he wanted to get the territorial pick to pick Connie when he came out of Providence because Providence is linked to Boston Celtics at that time. Right, right. Kind of like the 
Philadelphia Warriors last 76ers did with Will. They said he went to Kansas. I said, wait a minute. No, we were scouting him in high school when he was at Overbrook. That's our territorial pick. We would have drafted him in straight out of high school. So that's how Philly got um, Will. Will. Interesting. Again, because over the territorial picks, you know, uh, Jerry Lucas went to the uh, Cincinnati Royals, th- th- those type of picks. Yeah, yeah. So Red was trying to hook up a deal where he was going to send Connie <laughs> to Providence to play college, and four years later, he would be his. That's how good Connie was, but that's how shrewd Red was. Right, right, right. And he said he always had these sh- shrewd moves that he did, and he did them all the way through. He was really awesome in terms of we talked about Udonis Haslam. And, and Sproso and Riley's doing this a little bit. He said, well, who's a better coach than Bill Russell? Bill Russell still can contribute to the team. He's going to get a good salary, still be on the team, and he's going to be my player coach. First African-American coach, I believe. And, and it was just like he was always innovative. Of course, we didn't want you have to get into the move he made to draft Bird as a junior in Indiana State as a six-man. Like, you can't beat that move. You know what I mean? And he got the Lakers off the hook. Devin, what would the Lakers have done? And we've talked about number one pick. You take Bird or Magic. What are yeah. you going to do? Uh, and Red got him off the hook, and it worked perfect yeah. for, for both teams. So Red stayed. Pat Riley's smart enough to know when to move on. Yeah. Moved on from the Lakers. He didn't. They, they just wanted to hear a different voice. So I'll have a question for you about the Clippers when I finish my point. Okay. He goes to New York. Got some to the game seven. Doesn't freaking in his Armani suits, not smart enough to get John Starks out of there for a few minutes. <laughs> Might cost him a title. Goes to Miami. Gets a title with D-Wade. Brings in Shaq. Smart enough Shaq moves on. Smart enough to get Shaq out of there. See, like yeah. you said, he's smart enough to make the moves to get guys in and out. Yeah. Doesn't let it linger like Red did. So then he brings in and makes that team with Bosch and those guys. So... In your opinion, Doc Rivers, did they just are they just not going to listen to his voice no more, or is it just too much to overcome with that three run and his resume? Which one was the ultimate decider there? I think the ultimate decider is just the simple fact that they didn't win. Gotcha. Um, whether his voice is still, I, yeah, I agree I mean, too. I think it's just the three one. I can't get over it. Yeah, like the 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 fan base. I think would have stagnated. Correct. Had another season of this shit. Right. I, I think they had to, especially because they're going to move to a new arena soon. I think that they 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 just wanted a, a real fresh start. Sorry. And I, I mean, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if there's there's some roster moves made. I'm not sure exactly who who they they would move, but something has to happen with the roster just to kind of balance it out a little bit more. Um, but again, dude, I mean, it's a player younger and athletic. Yeah, it's get a little younger and athletic. It seems like it's a player-driven league, right? Yeah. So the players win and lose the games, but the coaches take the hits as far as getting fired or whatever. But I, I don't think the hits are done with the Clippers. I think it's going to be a, a roster uh, hit as well, whether it's trades or you know not re-signing guys, whatever it may be. You got to make a move. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just so let's. Let's kind of pontificate here. See, that's a big word that I use. I that's the, that word. That's in, that word. That is in the dictionary. You can look that one up. It's not a fake Ronnie Flores word. Okay. Let's pontificate, Ronnie, on who the next coach the Clippers should be. Who do you think it should be? Wow. That's a, that's a loaded question. I, like you said, who is available and who is, you know, 
gonna give them the voice that they need. I think they need a, a I think they need a younger pressure. Okay. Coach. Because you said this Paul George, if they keep uh, Kawhi is gonna be there. They're kind of self motivated. If they're not self motivated, then they're just not as good as we're saying they are. Kind of right. like a Vogel. They need a younger, a Vogel Spolster kind of guy that gives them new ideas. Uh, modern in his communication. Okay. They don't need an old coach who's been around twenty years. It's just gonna, it's gonna be his way or the highway. It's not gonna. It, they just need a new, simpler voice. Okay. Maybe they'll have a little less pressure on them. There okay. was a lot of pressure on them this year, and the and the pipe busted, and it didn't work. You know. So something in there is wrong when you lose twenty point leads over and over. Something's yeah. not working. Yeah. 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 You, you kind of. Hoping it's just going to work. They didn't make no adjustments. So, let me a young okay. coach, Devin. Give me some young coach names. I, I, you know, you stumped me because I, I, I think it's the players have to pick it up. I don't even give a shit who their coach is. Really, exactly. That's what I'm thinking too. So here, here are some of the fun names that popped up, and I want to get like a one word reaction from you, and you can make up any word you want. Yeah. So your re- <laughs> your reaction to Tyron Liu just taking over this team, who is the current assistant coach? Uh, fresh. Good. That's oh, you like that. Up. Okay. I like that. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. Next Best one. You in the in the pantheon of where we are. <laughs> <laughs> I got to figure out what pantheon means. I I got no clue. All right. Next one. Mike D'Antoni. Not gonna work. Okay. <laughs> the third one and final one. <laughs> Phil Jackson. <laughs> Phil Jackson. The new arena. Uh. Big splash won't work. Okay. Yeah. The, when I saw a couple reporters or a couple of Twitter heads say, yeah, they need to go after Phil Jackson. Why? Like, yeah. I don't think, I don't even think Phil Jackson has a phone. He can answer to it's like, the court or wherever he's to at, even yeah. talk to you about it. I think he, where is he now? He's in Wyoming or something. He has to be mentally ready. Like in other words, the Clippers almost have to have been moving on from doc before and like calling Phil Jackson, be like, you know, do you want to be the coach of this team next year? He almost has to get mentally ready. Like, he can't just be – unless you were already thinking of getting ready Doc Rivers, I don't think Phil Jackson is the answer. Well, and here's another thing. Remember when the Lakers were kind of flirting with him to come back and it was like, oh, you know, yeah. my hip issue, I can't travel, I can't coach road yeah. games. So now you got you got Phil Jackson and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, what, do you call, what are they calling it these days? Uh, well, well, yeah, when they yeah. rest – yeah. No. What, what, what do you? What oh, are they called? Load them? management. Load management. There. I forgot what it was even called. Yeah. yeah. Tony's gonna. Re- <laughs> Kawhi Leonard be out of the league <laughs> if that Tony's in the. <laughs> the coach. That makes. That makes no sense. Dan Tony. Yeah. That makes no sense. Yeah. Um. And Phil Jackson makes absolutely no sense. The easy. The easy way out is Tyron Lue because you know he he has experience. He's coached an NBA championship team. He has connections to young assistants that he can bring in. So to me, that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, a fresh, a fresh start. But I think Billy Donovan, obviously, he's with the Bulls now. I think he probably would have been a nice fit. Yeah. Um, Eric Spolstra is under, still under contract with the Heat, I think, for four or five more years. Pat Riley not letting him go. He's not letting Yeah, that would obviously be a great fit, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you look at how – all these coaches are just completely recycled. Yeah. And, and we talked about it a little bit. And we'll talk yeah. about that more in the, in the off season. I'm sure. Yeah. I think recycled you know, coaches, I think someone that would be interesting for this job is a guy like Chauncey Billups. 
Um, yes, a, a different name. Just a just a guy who has high level experience, a high level understanding of the game, who is a respected voice among players, has won a title in a way that you know Miami's trying to win a title this year as an underdog team. Um, obviously, that series, Carl Malone got hurt uh, prior to the championship, and the Lakers were kind of. I don't know, you know, Shaq and Kobe were. That was when their their headbutting was at the the peak of that those three peak teams. But Chauncey Billups is kind of an interesting name for me. Whether he comes on as an assistant for Ty Lue, or he comes on as you know a first time head coach, kind of like what Brooklyn did with Steve Nash. You, you never know what could happen. And again, right now with the Clippers, it's like, dude, you guys were supposed to win the title this year, and you didn't even get out of the second round. What what <laughs> what do you have to lose now? Like, yeah. you know, take a chance on on a guy who's been around the game and, you know, has, has experienced it at all levels. Uh, Devin, where is uh, – to go backtrack, I agree with your point there. I, I like Ty Lon Lu or a new younger coach that is uh, just under, you know, 50 years old basically. Just for yeah. whatever reason, I just think that's the move they should make. Um, or, or around 50 or younger. What is Jason Kidd's status right now? I think Jason Kidd probably wants any head coaching job he can get. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any, any head coaching him? job that Jason Kidd's going to get. Yeah, yeah. I think and Lawrence Frank is involved with uh, the Clippers front office. And from what I'm aware of, when he was with the Nets and had some issues, Lawrence yeah. Frank was was involved in the Nets front office, or he took over for Lawrence Frank when Lawrence Frank got fired, something like that. Yeah. So it didn't that. Work. that yeah, that relationship's just not gonna—they're not gonna re-up that relationship. They're not gonna rekindle that, uh, like me going yeah, after, me, like me going I, after ex-girlfriends. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, Ty Lue is a, a, just a, a, the—I guess it's the egos or the management will be simpler than than some of the names we mentioned, whether it's Jackson or Jason Kidd or just some of the. Yeah, what do you no, think Jackson of a Mark? Will, what, do you, what do you think of another Jackson? What do you think of Mark Jackson? Um. Yeah, it's a good name to bring up. I I still like Tyrone Tyron Lou better. Um, I don't you know. Mark Jackson has been out of, out of the coaching loop a little bit now. Yeah. Um. You know, I I like what Tyron Lou would bring. Okay. Uh, just let just, me. I'm gonna throw another name at you. This is this is even this is even better Man, than all Oh my god. I cannot believe people are bringing this guy's name up. I mean, here's the thing. I understand that Jeff Van Gundy can coach basketball. He's done it at a high level for a lot of years with the Knicks. Yeah. But, dude, he has been out of the coaching game for how long now? Yeah, that's where my issue is. Longer than Mark Jackson. Jackson. Wait, yeah. It just I'm going with the younger guy. Yeah. Guy who's worked for various um, franchises. Okay. Kind of has a little more pulse, I guess. I guess that's the right word. Pulse on the league. That's another one you got to write down. Pulse on the league. Pulse on the league. Okay. These are these are all good. We're we're kind of with the Ronnie Flores basketball dictionary. I'm going to sell it. I want to start using more of it then. I'm going to sell it on hoopsbyoogland dot Should we start and... talking a little bit more how we talk about during evaluations, and we're going to get to some evaluations? No, no, or because that's that's too much. No, I would. I, I would never, do it a little bit. We would never be allowed in the gym again uh, <laughs> if if we if we spoke uh, publicly the way we speak privately about players. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, let's move on from the NBA here. Um, yeah. We, we gave it a good uh, role. Yeah, look, 
your Mount Rushmore makes sense, and I, I'm with you on on Riles. I think looking for voice. Yeah, and, yeah, definitely looking forward to this NBA title for sure. But let's let's talk some high school basketball um, because that's what the majority of our listeners come here for. Um, the Pangos All West Frost Soft Camp went off last weekend in St. George, Utah. Ronnie, you were back in the gym for the COVID Classic. Devin was sitting comfortably in his um, green chair, $600 green chair that his wife purchased um, and kind of broke the bank on, watching it online. So the tri-MVPs of the event, because you know our guy Dinos loves naming like 75 MVPs of his camps. Jordan Ross from uh, Mount Pleasant, no, excuse me, Mount Pleasant, Pleasant Grove, Pleasant Grove in Utah. Uh, Darius Carr from St. Bernard and Zach Davidson from Modern Day all fantastic players. Ronnie, give me your breakdown of guys you liked, and then I will name, you know, some of the guys that, you know, maybe you didn't name or kind of, you know, touch on same guys you did. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to take a deep breath because it was a good camp. It wasn't a star powered camp and there was really officially no MVP of the overall camp. So those Zach Davidson had a terrific game in the, um, Cream of the crop, top 30 game for the top 30 All-Stars. And he just played well. He had 17 points, 9 rebounds, was active, scoring around the basket. And he had a really good event. And then Darius Carr uh, shot well, 18 points. And Darius was uh, getting up and down the court, creating good guys. You know, he was one of the tougher checks in terms of the backcourt of, of guys trying to keep him off the score scoreboard, you know, scoring in various ways. Mm -hmm. You know how good he is. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Ross, very interesting. Um, Because usually there's a pro or two at events like this, Devin. Even though it's a fresh soft camp, say, okay, that guy's probably going to be in the NBA or or close to it. You can see him just jump off the screen, so to speak. Yeah. I guess for me, it'd be, you know, jump. You know, your eyes catch him for you, it'd be jumping off the screen. So that's another one, jumping off the screen. So... (laughs) You know, so Jordan that's not, Ross. That's not, that's not pick and roll coverage. That's, no, we're not talking about pick and roll coverage. We're talking about, God damn, he's good. Or, God damn, who is this kid? You know what I mean? So, this Jordan Ross. Good camp. I guess he's the most consistent. And then he turned it up in the All-Star game. And it kind of reaffirmed what people saw. You know? Uh, he had 11 points. Five rebounds and seven assists, and in that game, seven assists was you know you know as you know that's Rajon Rondo type numbers, right? Off numbers, he just steady, steady, looked like he could run a team. That's what you know we want to see. I know you like to see that, Frank. Our guy Frank likes to see that. The other scouts like to see that. The event directors, Atope and, and Dina Strugonis, like to see that. And 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 there's not a whole lot of that sometimes in these type of events. The kids are not in sync with each other. And he just kind of reaffirmed people's notions that he was probably the most consistent guard uh, end-to-end. So he was one of the uh, game MVPs. I did, because there was nobody that jumped out, there was no Charles Bassey Mm -hmm. who was like, oh my God, this guy's going to be good down the line. Uh, There's been a few other guys like that, probably at the West Camp. Maybe uh, Stanley Johnson. I'm, I'm just throwing out names now. Jalen Lewis last year a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, just guys like, man, he's going to be really good. Uh, or he has a chance to make money. It's more of a good camp with a lot of good players. Tons. Right. 
guys that didn't make they could have been a third all-star game and it would have been just as good as a second all-star game. Right. So, you know, he, he kind of was consistent from end to end. So there, I did a poll. I said, I asked six scouts, uh, give me your top seven players in, 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 in camp. Right. And we're going to, we're going to keep this an anonymous poll. Yeah. It just, it was, <laughs> they're on, um, you know, so Jordan Ross and Brady Dunlap out of Harvard Westlake, who's transferred over uh, to Dave Rabibo's program, got five out of six. They were on five out of the six ballots. Okay. The other, there was three guys who, four guys, four players who appeared on three ballots. So it was all over the board, which kind of re, uh, strengthened that uh, notion that it wasn't a consensus at the top. The guys who got a Four guys on three ballots were Isaiah Elohim, who was the top, in my opinion, top 224 player there. Heritage mm-hmm. Christian, kind of like a wing guard. Um, terrific camp. Darius Carr, who we previously mentioned. Courtney Anderson, who's now at Dublin, who was at Salesian. Devin, you saw yep. last year. He's been at USA Basketball. Didn't play that much at Salesian because they had Shane Bell and a couple other guys, but he's a good prospect. And a uh, guy who really came on compared to where he was at the All-West camp. The seven foot one Kyman Maker coming along, blocking shots. I don't know if you saw his game against Jazz Guard or not. I'm not talking about the uh, All Star game because it was easy to pit those two guys because they were the only two seven close to seven footers. Great matchup. That I like seeing that. I like seeing post play. You know yeah. how I am, and and he got three votes. So those four players got three votes, and then the next players that got at least appeared on two ballots. DJ Thomas, D. Don Thomas, um, former UNLV guard son, is going to Liberty. He's going to be a freshman at Liberty. Tyler Harris from Newark Memorial has kind of grown two, three inches. Mm-hmm. Tyler is a great slashing wing. He's got to work on his consistency. After one day, people were like, wow, he might be close to the top player in the camp. And he didn't have the all-star game that uh, kind of could have pushed him over the top. But he still was one of the best players in the camp. Okay. Um, Tyler Harris had four points in the All-Star game. And that's not to knock his performance. I just think no, he didn't have a 20-point yeah. game. You know he's I mean? dynamic, though. He's dynamic. Yeah. yeah, really good camp. And then the last player that got two votes was Zach Davidson. So 22 players got votes, but wow. those guys, you know, and then the rest of the pack got one vote. Okay. And the guys, you know, it's just a person might have them listed. So Jordan Ross and Brady Dunlap were the most consistently guys that people thought performed well or were one of the top camp players. I went with Ross, Brady Dunlap two. I would have Isaiah E. Holin three. Okay. And as the two top 24, again, our guy, Kyman Maker is gone. Again, I think he kind of woke up and kind of got it. Cause again, Ooh, I don't have much experience here. And I'm thinking I'm in maker's head. Now picture me in maker's head. You know, I, Oh, this guy's Okay. Five foot ten, six foot three. Okay, let me run, get back on defense. I'm not getting the ball. Now you're going up against a guy six eleven in Jazz Gardner. It's like, okay, I gotta wake up or I'm gonna get my ass kicked. Right. Well, he blocked a, a half hook. He got a couple other blocks. He had about five five blocks per game, and then had four blocks in the uh, cream of the crop top thirty game. Eight points, nine rebounds, four blocks. So I was kind of joking with our guy Jim Jones, who's kind of worked with with Kyman. I said, he goes, Ronnie wasn't with a great group of guards. I go, I agree. And he didn't give up. He didn't sulk. He got back on defense. 
I said, Jim, if he, I said, Jim, if he was with the good guard, I said he would have been a top two or three player in this camp. Mm-hmm. And I think our guy Frank still thinks he did that well. I said, but if he was with a great guard, I said he would have only been top twenty-five. And, I, and he goes, well, wait, wait, you know, we're joking. He said, why? I go, because he would have dropped half the passes. Right. You know, he so he, he he did good in terms of getting back on D, not sinking yeah. his head. Even though, you know, post-entry passes are at a premium in this type of camp, but he didn't it didn't deter him. He's still getting back on defense, still blocking shots. Right. So I give him right. a lot of credit for that. Yeah. But yeah, he's energy learned the speed of the game. If energy and been, effort. Yeah. If he would have been with Jordan Ross the whole way. He <laughs> dropped, you know, ten passes, right? Post. And that's not a knock. He's just coming along. No, uh, yeah, big, big, to, big men take a lot of time to develop. So, yeah, let's move on to Eric Lewis, Monterey Trail. Had a great freshman year. I thought he played well offensively. Um, Aristis Grady, who's going to give Coronado, and going to need to give Coronado some front court uh, work. You know, he did. I thought he did great. Uh, plays for James the Punisher. Las Vegas Punishers did a good job, as you mentioned, Tyler. Tyler Harris, Quentin Mays out of uh, Cypress, Utah, yeah, he's six good. foot guard. Good. He's a good shooter. He's just a good shooter. Gets really aggressive. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Me and you like guys guards again. The key shit. Our pot yeah. is called in the paint. So yeah. And we like to get in the paint more than one ways. As your brother, <laughs> as your brother I'm, I'm gonna put an X rated on this on this pod. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, we talk about getting in the paint, and it's like that kid Mesa <laughs> got in the paint. And that's what we like to see. A lot of guards, too much dancing, Devin. Too much dancing yeah. out here. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Just too much dribbling. Yep. Not point, going anywhere. We're point A to point B. I, I emphasize that all the time. Yeah. Uh, so what point were you going to make? I said, just go point A to point B and make a play. Yeah. It's simple. Yeah. I told that to many guards. Don't need 600 dribble combos. I know, AJ, I know AJ Gaspora teaches 800 dribble combos, but we don't need any of those. Yeah, our guy Jim Jones tries not to, and I know other, other trainers try not to. Uh, kudos to the, to the coaches, too, you know. Our guy, uh, Luis Medeiros. Whoops, my bad. Um, there's, there's many coaches that, you know, really gave a lot of good effort, Devin. I, I want to give them a little bit of uh, yeah. Ruben Williams, our guy. Yeah, Ruben's a good guy. You know, Kevin Patton was there. Uh, AJ was there. James yeah, Felton was. was coaching the team. You know, um, just guys that are giving effort. Again, I'm just throwing guys' names off the top of my head. Denard Wilson, who's the coach at Grant. These guys put in effort, man. They, they give kudos to them. You know, hopefully Dinos, as the youngsters like to say, give them their flowers. I don't really like that saying. Them. Don't put that one in the book. Give them their flowers. Don't That's, give me no yeah, goddamn flowers. I won't. Give me some yeah, goddamn I won't money. Get, give, give Ronnie some Modellos or some yeah. beer or some Coronas yeah. or something. We don't need flowers. Flowers. What the give me hell 20, do I need flowers for? Give me 20 bucks. I need to fill up the gas tank. <laughs> <laughs> what do I need flowers for, Devin? What, what does any man need flowers for? I'm, I'm going I'm to go all on this. My, my wife's always trying to get me to get her flowers. So it's a waste of money. Flowers die. Let's get something that, that's worth yeah. our time, you know? Exactly. These flowers. But anyway, a lot we, of let's get, let's, get in the, let's get in the paint. <laughs> a lot of players deserving of their flowers, as people like to say. I like to give guys some credit who play in the second game, you know. Um, Sterling Knox from Durango High in Las Vegas, active. I don't know if you saw him, Devin. He was number 158. I saw um, him during the season uh, at Freitas' deal in Pasadena, and yeah, he's good. Yeah, he had a good, you know, kind of wing guard, rebounder. Thought he did really well. 
um, Maurice Wright, who's kind of a yep. Pangos veteran. Yeah, he is. Competing at events. He's now Santa Clarita Christian, playing good D, uh, you know, pushing the ball ahead, uh, good in the open court, hitting, knocking down some shots and making things happen. He was in the second game. He was the uh, one of the MVPs of the second game. Yep. And I'm just rallying off guys. Yeah. You know, uh, Trent Perry is going to be a good young player at Harvard Westlake. So Harvard Westlake has some good guys coming in. Trent Perry had 16 points, five rebounds in that second game. And our guy Maurice Wright had uh, 18 points. And again, Devin, I could go off and on. I ha- I put out a top 75 list you guys can check out. Uh, you just go check to my Twitter and you can link it over. And there's there's plenty of names. I, I mean, I, I could keep going. I want to hear your take okay. from what you saw. Because you probably focus more on one game. And me, I'm trying to watch a half because at this event, yeah, it all depends on which court you want. Because it's not like Cerritos College or something where it's three open courts. You have to go to a physical barrier and get beyond a physical barrier to watch two other courts. So it's four courts and it's two at, at a time. There's just no way you can see gotcha. courts. Yeah. So that physical that, barrier. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. The physical barrier was COVID nineteen. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> just messing with you. <laughs> There's so a lot of that, physical barriers. Yeah, yeah. In, in that top game, obviously, Jordan Ross, Davidson um, stood out. Yeah. Uh, I like Ross because he's super poised and he has yeah. his IQ is well beyond his years. And he plays the right way in a setting that doesn't always, uh, you know, want or make kids play the right way. Yeah. Um, I think Darius Carr, the 223 from St. Bernard, I think for me in that 223 class, he might have the best long-term ability okay um i just think i think yeah yeah i I think he just gets it he he knows how to play he plays within himself um he's you know a a big time athlete but he also has that corner three-point shooting ability off the catch that you know i love is a guy who can hit that catch and shoot corner three and he can ball the, fake it and get to the key. That's what I'm saying. He's a, then, then he has that effective ball fake it in the key and he can put people in the basket. I like him a lot. Uh, yes. He puts a lot of pressure on the defense. He does. Man, I mean, he's, you always got to account for him. Well, he's, he's got to get back. He's relentless. Get back. He's out. Right. That's what I'm saying. He's relentless. He, yeah. he doesn't really, he doesn't really show a lot of emotion. He, his, his, his demeanor is always very under control, which I like from a young player when projecting them long-term um, is having that demeanor where you're never too high or never too low. And uh, in his freshman year with St. Bernard, he played in a lot of big games and he was never rattled. So that those are, those yeah. are always, let's, let's, uh, let's take a see, see how many people sure. are listening to our pod here. Uh, we can't go over 240 players and we can't even go over 75. I mean, we're going to hit as many as we can. Yeah. I want the people out there to give us a name for next week. And maybe you could tweet us or, Send an email to Devin. Get in contact with Devin via Twitter any way you possible. Give us the name of guys you want us to talk about, and we'll men- I'll mention them next week. Okay. He was listening. But, again, we're going to go over many more names. But I want to say, because if, if we don't get to him, I want to hear what you guys, you know, think. And if there's a kid out there that you want to hear about or hear a little quick eval, and he played in one of the top games or, you know, it's any, any kid, really, player, yeah. Just, just let us know. So, again, we, we keep going on. I liked um, Malachi Roberts. was not bad from Oregon. Uh, he had a good camp. He made the top game. Uh, Marcus Pfizer Jr., obviously the former Iowa State and NBA player, thought his son had a, was ready, good, good uh, forward, 
came came to play. Uh, Kevin Patton Jr. is a guy who has a lot of long term ability. He's, I believe, uh, the, from the Midwest. He might be from Milwaukee or was or or somewhere in Wisconsin. He's now at AZ Compass Prep. Uh, Andrew Meadow. I think he's a he's a ball is life favorite. I think when people see him down the line, and when people see him in those Kurt Rambis goggles, and he's working at <laughs> paint, and he's making shots, and he's got bounce, Devin. He's got a little more bounce than people would think. He got a little got a little pop in his legs. He got a little pop in his legs. Unlike me in this COVID, now my my legs are dead. <laughs> I got sciatica, so we're in the same boat. Devin's <laughs> <laughs> shitting too much, and he can't. <laughs> Can't, and he's just sitting on the damn chair, his brand new chair. Devin, what's the point of a $600 chair if you're sitting on it all the time and your back goes? So the $600 chair is actually turned into the $600 dog bed. Um, but yeah, you you know, you and me are more comfortable like, you know, leaning back on, on wooden bleachers, you know, and just ravaging our backs. More com- this chair is too comfortable. It's yeah, too it's, comfortable. It's gives. Yeah, you just I just, I just can't handle it. Uh, a couple more guys I liked, Ronnie, that you didn't mention in the top top games. Jack Turner. Luke Turner's brother, incoming freshman at Santa Margarita, yes. big time, big time scorer. Uh, I think he's going to be really good down the line. Uh, Xavier Edmonds, uh, obviously, he's another guy who yeah is a Pangos a Pangos veteran. Uh, Bishop Montgomery, power forward, you know, real skilled behind uh, with his back to the basket, getting better as a face up shooter. Uh, Tyler Rollison, two twenty three point guard from St. Bernard, Darius Carr's teammate. He's another guy who plays with an IQ well beyond his years. And then a guy, you mentioned Maurice Wright and Trent Perry. I had both them on my on my standouts. A guy from my neck of the woods, Ronnie, who I knew a little bit about because I see a lot of JV games prior to watching some local Orange County games. Parker Strauss, 6'2 point guard from Edison of Huntington Beach. Uh, he's going to be a good one down the line. I, I really liked him. Uh, he's got an interesting, intriguing frame. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Jack McCloskey, um, Santa Margarita guard who you know came in and he's been injured the last couple of years. But same similar build, similar style of play. Um, really understands how to run a team, hits open shots, uh, good pace, uh, doesn't get sped up. And he played JV at Edison last year. Will likely play good varsity minutes this year for Coach Rich Boyce over there. And he's going to be a good player. Yeah. He played in the second game. Yep. I mean, second All-Star game. He was deserving. And like I said, there was guys deserving that didn't make the All-Star game. And I want to touch on some of those before we start to wrap this up. But, again, give us a shout-out. We're going to have a little more uh, coverage next week, too, because I will also see the the Dallas or the South All-West camp this weekend. And we'll touch up on those players, and we'll come back and hit this a little more, too. Sure. I could talk about 40 more players, yeah. you know, and, and I want to a little bit. So, you know, Parker Strauss plays with, makes a lot of great plays around the baskets, poised. He sees the trees in there. He doesn't get rattled. Uh, and he makes nice passes off the baseline and, and, and off the, off the move. Uh, what you see is what you get. He's, he's uh, making a lot of good basketball plays. Yeah, he's a smart simple. man. He's really smart. Just simple and smart. Yep. Um, you know, again, I want to talk a little bit about guys who don't get, maybe didn't get to the play level they want or look good in one event and didn't look good and kind of give some pointers here. Uh, Yaquib Mir from Granite Bay. I thought he played, and just being honest, and hopefully he's listening or his dad listening because he's always got a question. 
always has questions, always positive, and he, he played better at the All-West camp, I thought. Okay? So you got to make an adjustment. You know, you're not finishing maybe. It's kind of we talked about Rondo, KCP, and Danny Green, those guys. You're not going to always finish good every game. Yeah. You're going to, you know, you're not going to have a great game every time out. And he keeps coming. He keeps attacking. He just wasn't dropping for him as it was dropping prior. You know, uh, I thought the same thing of Jamari Phillips from the Talented 224 from Modesto Christian. Uh, thought he just played a little better with the older group of players that was available. Uh, you know, at all West obviously has all classes. This is just fresh soft and, and 225s. Right. And, and and there was a couple good 225s I, I, I want to mention too before uh, we kind of close the show. So, again, you got to keep bringing it. Our guy, our guy Dale Morris, who we've seen for a long time, the Mad Dog McClendon's brother. Again, Devin, right? He's going to hit a growth sport at some point, but right now he's about 5'8", pesky on D, very savvy, knows how to make plays. But at his size, he just can't beat guys at the high school level as he did in the middle school ranks that we saw him. You know, he's got to make the adjustment. And that that's just the nature of the game and the nature of the beast. You've got to keep improving step by step by step. You have a bad out, you got to kind of kind of bounce back. And that's what we're talking about, Jordan Ross. He just didn't have just the most consistent player, and I think Darius Carr too. Yeah. Maybe I'll throw him in there. Yeah. Brady Dunlap. The guy yeah, he's who, good. He just nah, consistent. So that consistency comes in. Yeah, and these are young players, so we're not criticizing them heavily. We're not even really criticizing. We're just saying that's the nature of the beast. The nature of the beast. Write that one down. It's the nature <laughs> of the beast. You're going to have some good games. You're going to have bad. There's three games, and you may have one bad one. So I wanted to mention some guys who I think, again, with 240 guys, our guy Frank is uh, concentrating on first court one and two. You know, me and, and Van are roving, and, 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 and Frank wants, to his credit, he's going to get a better look at the guys, and then he's going to jump to see the teams he missed. Me and Van are maybe moving a little bit more. Again, different look, and it, it, it all balances out. So I wanted to talk about number 25, Nick Jefferson from Las Vegas, a good, solid point guard, 225. There was a couple other 225s who uh, did very well. Mason Brown, another kid from Las Vegas, nice jump shooter. He had a couple shots that I get in, a smaller snapshot. Okay, Devin, we're getting snapshots at some of these guys. Mm-hmm. We don't know them as as well as some other guys that we might know, like Darius Carr or, or, or well, some guys that we see a little more. But when there's 240 kids in a camp, yeah. dude, it's tough to get a like a, a an extended shot. look. Yeah, an extended look at, at every player. It's really difficult. Yeah, and then Isaiah Cunningham, who had a terrific second game, and uh, he is from Cedar Crest Middle School in Tacoma. He's another 225. He made the top 60 games. So you always want to give mention to guys who are still in eighth grade. I'm, I'm looking at the list and he was the only one of two 25s. The other one was from also from heritage Christian Gavin Hightower. Again, those guys weren't the top team of the career uh, cream of the crop in terms of who played well in that second game, but they made the second game as two 25s. Mm-hmm. Kudos to them. Uh, number 68, was that Mason Brown I'm talking about? 113. 113. Jaden DePina. I thought he was slashing. He's, 
at West Ranch of Santa Clarita. Is that Dylan DePina's brother? DePina's brother. Okay. A little more uh, slight of frame, a little okay. more of a slasher, a little different type of player. Did really well. Devin, give me the detail scouting report in a little more because I saw him blocking shots. Elijah Nelson from Fountain Valley. <laughs> My guy, Elijah Nelson. And, you know, he's only 6'1", so maybe he was just giving balls-to-the-wall effort. Balls-to-the-wall effort. That's what he does. That's what he does. Uh, I said, here's my notes, and I'm being honest. Yeah. Ball and effort. Good rebound. Shot blocking. I'm writing that down, so you look at that, you think the guy's 6'6". No, he's 6'1". Yeah, he, Elijah, you know, he he didn't start at Fountain Valley last year as a freshman. He he played good minutes off the bench, and it was – you know, Fountain Valley made its deepest playoff run in school history. Um, but, yeah, Elijah is one of those guys who, if he continues to work on his offensive game, he could end up being a Division One player down the line. Defensively, he has it. He's He, he gives energy. He plays hard. He has toughness. Uh, he, he plays a little edge to him. He, he, yeah, and he talks, talks, a little, talks a little smack. Uh, he's not afraid to give a hard foul. Um, That's exactly what I know. He's a little he, bit of a spaz. He does not like to get scored on, which is very important. Yeah. Like, it, he hates getting scored on. He hates losing. Um, and those are two very good traits as long as he can keep those things under control. Um, he's, he's, he has some, you know, some quick emotions. You know, if something goes wrong, he gets pissed off. He, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll you know, uh, you know hit, take a hard foul or a bad foul. Um I but man, see a little bit of that. I didn't yeah, see that too much in this camp, but I did see some block shots and a couple he plays, good fouls. He plays hard. Uh, he's a very good rebounder for the guard position. And for his size, yeah. He's becoming more athletic. Uh, he's getting up and you know dunking with ease now. He needs to improve his ball skills, and he needs to improve his jump shot. And then he has a chance to be a, a, a solid Division One prospect down the line. Yeah. And like you said, many, many years ago, that would be okay. Like, dude, he'll find a place because he has those. But now in this game, and especially at his size, he has to develop those ball skills. Right. And it's just where the game is is right now. Their his, coach is going to yeah. look for a player that has that. Dribble, so dribble, pass, dribble, pass, and shoot. And another guy from Found Valley who was there, a freshman, Makari Morris, is another guy that, that college programs should probably keep an eye on moving forward. Um, he's a similar kind of mindset to Elijah where they, they really like to win. Yeah. And he's a, he's more of a, a point guard, true one, good passer, uh, good speed, just, you know, needs to develop again, needs to develop three point shot. He's a good finisher, um, needs to develop more awareness, court awareness on the defensive end. He sometimes gets lost a little bit in coverages and switches and things like that and communicating. Um, but he, he has a lot of upside. He definitely has a lot of upside. I, I like both those guys at Fountain Valley. Um, and they're going to be pretty good down the line as long as they keep working. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit different at different camps at what we might see. And it's just to put put you on the spot a little bit, put the Uh-oh. spot and put us on. A guy like King Jasani Wilhite, okay? As you mentioned, some of those guys, the kid at Edison, you, we watch JV games if we can. King Jasani played last year at St. Ignatius in San Francisco. He's the WCAL freshman of the year. Again, he didn't make the All-Star game. I thought he was good. Again, you get a snapshot. Maybe you don't know the players as well. And, you know, he has a – if you're trying to win a high school game and 
you you you're gonna take King over Parker and 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 our guy from Fountain Valley right now, right? Okay. So, but you again, you're getting a snapshot, and sometimes that happens. Maybe he's not on a good team. Maybe he's you caught him in a half where he didn't play that well. You know what? How do you differentiate Devin from a guy who you know has high school accolades or average 15 points a game or was all league versus a guy who having a good camp and maybe he's a JV player and he maybe still a JV player. You know? Yeah, I, I put I put more weight on how you impact your high school team because it's yeah. more yeah it's it's more you know uh, transferable you know basketball wise yeah to the next level. Because you're game planning for your opponent, um, whether it's in your league, you know what the other team does, and you know, you know, you have two to three or four defensive schemes that you know are going to work against this play. Uh, the coaches are, are, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're they're with them for year round or whatever it may be, practicing, and they know their personnel. Whereas in, in camp situations, it's a coach who has never seen you know, 90% of the, the guys that they get on their roster and don't know what their strengths are. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You can't let uh, a, an exposure camp define your, you know, your value or, you know, the level of your play. If you don't make an all-star game in, a, in an exposure camp, who cares? There's a lot of different things at play, whether it's political things, which you know happens, um, or you just had a bad camp, or when a scout was watching you for a half, you didn't you didn't have a good um, a half or a good game when a scout was watching. Here's the thing, Ronnie, you know this. I don't get involved in All Star Game selections because I think they're dumb. Because um, there's there's just no way that with 240 kids, there's no way you the the six or seven or eight people who are supposed to be scouting and you know providing intel on these players can get an eye on 240 kids for an extended period of time. Equally. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So that's why whenever someone in a camp asked me for all-star selections, I don't get involved because I didn't get to see enough. Sure. There are those kids like Zach Davidson, like Jordan Ross, yeah. uh, Darius Carr, who, you know, belong in the top 30 game. Sure. But when you get to this top, when you get to the end of the top 30 and all of the top 60 or whatever, I mean, it's just based purely on who saw who the most. Yeah. Um, or for that snapshot. Opinion for that snapshot, how they played in a in a ten minute stretch. It's just don't worry about our all star selections in a freshman sophomore camp. Continue to get better. It's a good barometer to see you know what you need to get better at, and you know the, the, those top level guys, uh, how you compare to them, and what you need to do to be on their level. That's that's all that it should be. Yep, I agree with you. That's a good point. As we close, I wanted to give more shine to kids from uh, deeper in this camp and uh, that maybe didn't make the all-star game. As I mentioned, some of them already. Uh, I thought Michael Lewis Jr. from St. Mary's of Berkeley was a, one of the better passers in the guard, in the camp. Uh, he played terrific, in my opinion. Um, Michael Lewis, Amari Davis from Grant High School in uh, Sacramento. Yeah, I like him talked a lot. about Bernard Wilson. Damari mm-hmm. has a bright future. Two twenty four. Michael Lewis is also two twenty four. Again, I'm I'm I'm, gonna, I'm going over the NorCal guys who I saw. Ty Virgil, another two twenty four. Al Grove Franklin. Yep, he's good. Super super crafty lefty score. Yeah, I like him a lot. Lefty score, good player. I had him in up there. Amari Caraway been working hard to get better. Fresno High. Uh, you know, gets in. 
just runs, knows how to run the team a bit and knows how to score a bit. Um, going deeper, we got Brandon Gibson Jr., who I think has a bright future for Monterey Trail. He's a little knock knee, but boy, he's an athlete. Uh, he's going to need to work on his ball skills. You're talking about those ball skills and talking about those shooting skills. He needs to work on that, but he has a lot of the other tools you like in a young player. Mm-hmm. Z. Jay Cotton Jr. at Marietta Valley. I think he was somewhere else last year, Devin. You might know that offhand. Um, I thought he was at another school last year, but Marietta Valley player, very good. Scored, did a lot of good things. Um, Donovan Crooks from Dublin High. Had a good camp. Marcel Pierre-Lewis, a name to watch for the future. Young kid, I believe he's still 14 years old. Head Royce in Oakland, 6'5". Really good long-term. I thought he played... Well enough to be mentioned. And last but not least, Miles Harris from San Diego High. Not a big San Diego contingent, but he was one that did well. I, I think he, even though he didn't make an all-star game, I think he deserves a shout-out. That kind of wraps that up. Try to hit the top guys. Try to hit Northern California, out-of-state, and, and San Diego. But, again, reach us out to us on social media. Hit up Devin however you need to, and we will mention a – or give some kind of feedback on a guy that we didn't mention. Again, with 240, it's the same as watching it in person. You can't watch everybody and evaluate everybody equally. Yeah, it's, it's tough. almost it's impossible. Tough. Yep. So. so before we get off the line here, because my, my computer is almost dead, Ronnie, one more prediction. One more prediction before we go. Who is winning the first presidential debate between Donnie T and Joe Biden tonight or Tuesday night. Who's winning the presidential debate? What do we got? Is, are either going to make it through? Man, are we going to make it to that? It's just, (laughs) I mean, you hope Joe Joe Biden is like me and you on press row. Like I hope you just hope the wrong statement don't come out, you know, just or in the wrong order. Yeah. Yeah. I, I say, you know what I mean. And most of the yeah, I do. know what I mean. The words yeah. that I say don't come out always in the right order, but they come out and you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Sometimes yeah. It's just Joe Biden. Where are you talking about? You know, and Donald Trump is more along the lines of like, he's just unpredictable, you know, kind of like we mentioned about ego, just a lot of ego too full of himself. And you just, you know, you think Donald Trump, I would say this. If experience matters, I think Donald Trump has that that edge in the first one. And hopefully Joe Biden, you know, gets better at it. Uh, and just like the camp, you get better at it once you do it more. Again, all I know, all I know is presidential debates are big. Yeah. It makes a big impression on people just it like does. a camp. Because you don't is- know Joe Biden that much before all this happens. Yeah, and there's no sports on tonight. so uh, A lot of eyeballs. A lot of eyeballs are going to be on that, but just a little little fun way to, to close this out. We appreciate you guys listening in to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Make sure you guys like us, subscribe to us, and uh, you know get, get our notifications on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and make sure you download the Ball is Life app because that's the easiest way and the quickest way to get the notifications that the latest episode of the In the Paint Show is live. Uh, make sure you go to ballislife.com and cop some of our latest gear. We've got some really good deals going on right now, so make sure you take a look there and head to Set ballslife.com. Hit the shop. shop. Ballsli- shop.ballslife.com. 
Um, and if you go to ballslife.com, make sure you check out our latest coverage on the NBA draft. We are predicting the NBA lottery picks, and then we're going to kind of flesh out uh, a full draft board here within the next couple of weeks. Um, and we're going to try in the next couple of weeks also to get some potential NBA lottery picks on the In the Paint show with us uh, to discuss how they're preparing for the draft. Uh, but until next week, Ronnie and Devin are signing off.